Welcome to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe life is better when you love the way you look, style doesn't have to be complicated, and getting dressed can actually be fun. It's time to ditch that closet full of nothing to wear and instead create a fabulous functional wardrobe that makes you feel stylish, confident, and ready for anything. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and I've been dressing real women for almost 20 years. There isn't a body type or wardrobe challenge I haven't seen. And in this podcast, I'll share practical lessons from my journey that you can use to make creating a look you love easier than you ever imagined. Get ready to love getting dressed again. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining another episode of the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe that style should be easy and getting dressed can be fun. Ladies, today I am so excited for our first visiting professor. Visiting professors are experts in a style-related topic who can go more in-depth than I can and give you a ton of knowledge and value on different style-related topics. In a little while, Veronica Stout from Vintage Meet Modern will be joining us to share her knowledge and passion for vintage jewelry and all things accessory-related. I'm super excited to have her here. Today, we are finishing off our sleeve series, talking about the drop shoulder. And in current events, we're going to talk about the passing of a legend. But first, let's do a quick check of your homework. Last week, I talked about six style mistakes that age you and challenged you to go through your wardrobe and see if you were maybe guilty of any of them. I also challenged you, if you wanted a little extra credit, to go for a bra fitting. I'm curious to hear in the Style Lounge if anyone did it and what were the results. Go ahead and head over to the Everyday Style Lounge on Facebook and let us know. All right, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's just dive in with today's lessons from Linda. A few years ago, Alinda called me and said she was so over her hodgepodge, mismatched wardrobe, and she wanted to get rid of all the clutter. She wanted to clean out what wasn't working and create a flattering, cohesive, mix-and-match wardrobe. She was ready for major change. This was actually before I started doing the capsule guides, but helping women create this kind of wardrobe has always been my jam. I was so excited to work with her as she was quite literally my ideal client. I love, love, love clearing out all that clutter. I got to Linda's house and we were chatting. I always ask my in-person clients, how brutal do you want me to be? I know that some of my clients are just ready for tiny baby steps and other people want a wardrobe makeover that uses a gas and a match. They want to just burn it down and start over. And I want to respect wherever my clients are on that spectrum. Linda told me she wanted to go all out and really change her wardrobe and the way she approached shopping and getting dressed. She wanted minimalist. She wanted high quality. She wanted mix and match. Girls, this was my dream client. I love clients who are ready for real transformation. Not becoming someone who they're not, but rather getting rid of what's not working so they can become who they truly are. I was so excited to get started. We kicked off, as we always do, by pulling out the pants. And it wasn't long before we had our first pair of not-so-great-fitting, worn-out, dated dress pants. And because Linda asked me to be brutal, I told her so. Her response was, yeah, but I only wear them on Fridays, so I'm going to keep them. Like, Friday is the day that we just look frumpy, right? Right then, I saw the writing on the wall. She rationalized keeping everything from pants that didn't fit. Well, I'm going to start the whole 30 next month to pants that were seriously out of style. No lie. She actually said, well, when it's cold, I wear those. No one cares when it's cold. All right. The tops weren't any better. Not only did she have the same top in multiple colors, which you know is a big pet peeve of mine, but she had multiples of the same top. She had three of the black, three of the gray, three of the white. You get the idea. You know, they were all okay. There was nothing wrong with them. So she kept them all, every single one of them. No wonder she was overwhelmed by her closet and underwhelmed by her style. She literally wore versions of the same uninspired outfit day after day. Nothing special or noteworthy or really anything that she loved. And yet she was drowning in clothes. Normally, I help my clients make a list of the pieces they need to buy to achieve the style and wardrobe that they want. And quite honestly, Linda needed a whole lot of stuff to get where she wanted to be. But every time I'd say, you know, I think you could use a good pair of black pants, she'd say, well, I have a few. I don't think I need more. 
So not only was she unwilling to part with anything, she was unwilling to add the things that might get her closer to her wardrobe goals. We didn't shop together because honestly, why bother? But a few weeks later, I got a strongly worded email telling me how my services aren't that useful and she didn't feel like she got value out of her time or money. That one cut me really deep because I want people to walk away from our time together feeling good about their investment in me and feeling great about their wardrobe. I sent back an email that was a slightly more professional response of, yeah, no duh, and explained that if you are unwilling to do anything different or part with things or add things, you cannot expect monumental results. You really can't expect any result at all. We parted ways cordially. And a couple of years later, Linda called me again, claiming she was ready for transformation. Now, I admit I was more than a little apprehensive. I was downright skeptical. I said, really? She said, really? I said, really, really? She said, really, really? So I went, not truly believing, but I had an open mind. This time around, every single piece I said, well, it's fine, but not great. She got rid of. She refused to keep anything less than her best. And we pretty much decimated her wardrobe, I'll be honest with you. Then we made the list and went shopping. In the end, Linda had probably one third to one half of the amount of clothes that she had before, but she had a gorgeous wardrobe that looked so much more expensive and high quality and appropriate for the job she had now. She also had a smile on her face that told me I was worth it the second time around. I am so glad this Linda story ended well, and here are the lessons I want you to take away. First, be honest with yourself about the changes you want to make in your wardrobe and understand what it's going to take to get there. If you want a major overhaul, you have to do a major overhaul. If you want to get rid of five things, that's fine, but you can't expect your wardrobe to look or function any differently. A lot of women call me before they're ready, and while I want to help everybody, if you're not ready for the change, that's perfectly okay, but don't sign up for it quite yet. The second takeaway is this. You cannot have great style if you are unwilling to part with, eh, it's fine. Gorgeous wardrobes have never been built on fine. If you were to section out your closet into love it, hate it, and eh, it's fine, that last section would probably make up the biggest percentage of your wardrobe. Women call me to help them get rid of the, it's terrible, I hate it, it doesn't look good on you. But what they don't understand is that it's the uninspired, well, it's fine, clothes that they collect on the cheap and easy and refuse to part with that are standing in the way of what they really want. If you don't love it, don't buy it, don't wear it, don't keep it. Focus on filling your closet with pieces you love and see how your style changes. Let's move on to our vocabulary lesson and finish up our sleeve series, shall we? All right, so we have covered the vertical set-in sleeve, the cap sleeve, and the raglan sleeve, oh, and the dolman sleeve. Today, we are talking about the drop shoulder sleeve. Here's what a drop shoulder sleeve is. Instead of having a vertical seam at the edge of the shoulder, the shoulder seam is placed lower on the arm and usually ends up to be horizontal going across the top of the arm. Sometimes it's a little bit diagonal. Some of you are putting two and two together and thinking, hmm, I bet that doesn't do great things for a big bust or broad shoulders. You are learning, grasshoppers. You are learning. What I do want to mention is that this sleeve is intentionally down on the arm and is not just a set-in sleeve on a top that's too big so that it's kind of falling down on your arm. It's meant to be there. Also, sometimes drop shoulders are paired with dolman sleeve to create a little bit of a hybrid. I know that sometimes when I even share... Uh, pictures of the links of what the sleeves look like. Sometimes I'm like, wait, okay, that's a raglan, but it's also this, or it's a, it last week with the dolman, it's also a drop shoulder. So sometimes you can have hybrids. Now, if you are having a hard time picturing the drop shoulder sleeve, there's a link in the show notes, for examples, just head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast, and you can see it there. Drop shoulders usually have a very casual vibe. Um, a little bit of an 80s vibe, and they give a little bit more room in the bust and shoulder than a set-in sleeve. Again, you've got to take all the factors of the top into consideration, but with drop shoulders, you've really got to think about the texture of the top, where the drop shoulder seam hit, and how much volume there is under the arm. Let me give you an example. I had a chunky knit cardigan, which is not the most flattering on me to begin with, but paired with the drop shoulder sleeve, I looked like I was hoping to enter the next NFL draft. However, I have a very lightweight jersey top with a diagonal drop shoulder, and I don't look like I'm hoping to win a Super Bowl ring someday. 
So with this one, you've got to experiment a little bit and really pull all those factors together. Also with women for large bust, a horizontal sleeve that hits right at the bust line is going to make your bust look bigger. Finally, drop shoulders aren't the best for women with small shoping. Sorry. Finally, drop shoulders aren't the best for women with small sloping shoulders or round broad shoulders. This is kind of the Goldilocks of sleeve. Not too big, not too small. You've got to be just right. I encourage you to try this one on in a variety of styles to see if it could work for you. All right, that's it for sleeve types. I really hope this series has helped you understand why some tops work for you and some just don't. Just like the body type series, though, my advice should always be taken as a starting point. Take what works for you, leave the rest, and what matters most is that you wear things you love. Okay, there was a big loss in the fashion community last week, so let's head to current events and discuss. Last week, Gloria Vanderbilt passed away at the age of 95. Now, you may know Gloria Vanderbilt only from the jeans at Costco, and we're going to talk about those, but her contribution to fashion was so much bigger than that. There are a ton of articles out there that talk about her life and her history, so I don't want to touch on that. But if you wear jeans and a cute top to date nights, or you remember having to have guest jeans or the 7A pockets because of the status, or if you've got a pair of jeans that make your butt look amazing, you've got Gloria Vanderbilt to thank for that. So until the late 70s, jeans for women were for counterculture hippies. Sorry. Until the late 70s, jeans for women were for counterculture hippies or teenagers, gardening, or just to be worn very, very casually. Designer denim was not a thing, and they were not for dressing up. They were largely designed for men with just a few changes for women's bodies. Enter Gloria Vanderbilt. She was a socialite and an heiress, and also a self-taught fashion designer who was approached by a New York City garment manufacturer who wanted a famous name to help sell jeans. By the way, this also paved the way for other celebrities as fashion designers. She wasn't the first socialite Diane von Furstenberg of the wrap dresses. She beat her to it, but she was the most well-known. So Kim Kardashian can thank Gloria Vanderbilt for leading the way. Gloria Vanderbilt wanted to create jeans that actually fit women. Thank you, Gloria. And especially jeans that fit women's butts, or as she said, really hug the derriere. That's a nicer way to say it. All right. She wanted to be able to, I'm sorry. She wanted women to be able to buy jeans right off the rack and have them fit with no alterations. While we may not have perfect fitting jeans every time, Gloria Vanderbilt was the pioneer of ready-to-wear denim. Then she did something revolutionary and something that changed denim and fashion. She had her signature sewn right across the rear pocket and her little swan logo embroidered on the coin pocket in front. Now, in case you are a nerd like me and like trivia, the swan logo came from her first theater part in a play called The Swan. And that, my friends, is the story of how designer denim was born. She also pioneered designer pricing for denim. At the time, a pair of Levi's cost $15. Gloria Vanderbilt jeans, 32. Then she started marketing jeans as classy and upscale, not just to be worn with tees and sneakers, but with blouses and heels. She was also the first to use stretch denim. Again, thank you, Gloria, and black denim, both of which had a huge impact on the way we wear jeans. So the next time you're feeling smug in your pages or Hudson's or AG's, thinking I'd never wear Costco jeans, Remember that you may not be wearing your Pages or Hudsons or AGs if it wasn't for the woman who pioneered designer denim. All right, now let's talk about Costco Glorias, shall we? I am not saying that they're bad jeans. I'm truly not. But I am saying I've never seen a woman look good in a pair of Costco Glorias. Maybe it's because you can't try things on at Costco and bringing home one pair of jeans hoping for a perfect match is really unlikely. Maybe it's because you're not taking my advice and buying your jeans tight to anticipate the stretch. Maybe they're just not the wrong, the right fit for your body. I don't know. I'm not telling you to trash your Costco Glorias, but I'm asking you to take a good long look in the mirror with a critical eye and see if they're doing you any favors. And if, in Gloria's dreams of how denim should fit, they are in fact hugging your derriere. Now, if you don't know how to buy denim fits, First of all, you're in good company. It's one of the biggest struggles my clients face. Second, 
I did a Facebook Live video sharing three tips for finding denim that fits, flatters, and doesn't fall down. I will link to that in the show notes. All right, when we come back, we're going to be sitting down with Veronica Stout of Vintage Meat Modern. And after this Gloria Vanderbilt segment, it seems pretty fitting to discuss all things vintage. But before we do that, I want you to hear a message from Kristen, one of my Capsule subscribers. Hi there, this is Kristen. I just um, wanted to say thank you, Jennifer, for all of your help um, with my style and confidence. I started out um, 30-year-old mom, still dressing like I was 19, um, spending max of $50 to $100 on myself every year for clothes. Um, when I did try to up my game, I felt very overwhelmed, not confident at all. And um, what I did spend money on, I, I just didn't feel great in. Um, fast forward to this is my third capsule now, and I am feeling fantastic. I have so much confidence um, in, my, in my style, and the fact that I'm looking the way I feel inside, and just the woman I've become is amazing. While it doesn't necessarily save me money in the sense that I didn't spend any money on myself to begin with, I feel like I can now shop very effectively and efficiently, so that saves me money. I'm up my game from zero to 100 style-wise. And I'm just so thankful with my confidence, too, and how that's grown. I can go to the store now and know exactly what I'm looking for and what I'm not looking for. And that's been amazing. And the fit, my fit of my clothes, I'm petite. I never knew that before. So, um, And it's funny enough, I moved to from a small town to a big city um, where high fashion is huge here. And while I'll never get into high fashion, I fit in. Jennifer has me out here just blazing the trail with my style. I'm out here before anyone pulling out trends and that come after me. So this is all you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for all you do. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to summer capsule with you. Thank you for your message, Kristen. Trust me, your style is all you, but I'm happy to help you get there. Hey, if you want what Kristen's got going on, head over to my website and use code podcast at checkout to save $15 on your first capsule purchase. Don't wait though. The summer capsule is retiring July 15th. The link for the guide as always is in the show notes. All right, ladies, I am so excited for our very first visiting professor segment. <laughs> Veronica Stout of Vintage Meat Modern Jewelry and Styling has worked in the jewelry, accessories, personal shopping, and styling industry for over 20 years. Her passion is helping women look and feel their best every day while dressing in details. She founded Vintage Meat Modern in 2009. Vintage Meat Modern is a jewelry and styling company focused on bringing designer and vintage jewelry and inspiring women on how to wear their collections. Well, that's awesome. They are grateful to be a part of the growing sustainable fashion movement and are committed to the history and preservation of these beautiful pieces as well. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we dive into what you do and how you help help women, because this is a style podcast, let's get to know your style a little bit. First question I ask everybody this, in three words, describe your style. Classic, distinctive, sophisticated. Ooh, I love distinctive. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you? First of all, I'm such a fan of actually having a sort of a capsule or sort of your basic wardrobe pieces that you can build upon. But I believe that Every great wardrobe is a little bit like a blanket canvas. So I believe that the distinctive part is the way that you add little details, hence my love for accessories, by making yourself be more distinctive and more distinguished to set yourself apart from the rest. So we all start with that blank, blank canvas, but then what we add to it is what makes us distinctive and unique. I love that word. So I teach women to have three words to describe their style, which I call their style guideposts. It's one of those things that you can look to. And when you have your clearly defined words, you can put on an outfit and then kind of do a check. Like, do I look distinctive, classic, and sophisticated today? And if you don't, you kind of tweak till you get there. I think I might add distinctive to my words, right? I might swap one out because I, I actually love the idea when I worked at Chico's, I would walk in and, and people would say, oh, we got a new gen watch in today because they knew that I gravitated toward like big, blingy, fun boyfriend watches even before it was a thing, when it wasn't a thing anymore. And now it's a thing again. That's my thing, right? And it, it is distinctive. I love the idea of that's really the personal side of it. Love that word. Second question is, 
If I gave you a $500 gift card to use in one store, can't be yourself, your own, to spend on yourself, not your children, what store would you like? I am a huge fan of ThreadUp. We've had okay. this conversation yeah. before. I am very much uh, committed to the sustainable fashion movement. And I believe that once you get to know your taste, that you have the ability to be able to maximize your wardrobe and your style by looking in places where you can find one of a kind pieces. So I'm a big believer in the secondhand first movement. And I love that I can go onto ThreadUp and I can find a Gucci bag with the tag still on it. I love that I can find things from anthropology that are maybe from a season that I actually didn't buy because I passed on it. And then side note, I did this exactly. There was a Navy, it was a shell top and it had a little bit of ostrich feather trim on the bottom of it. And I totally regretted not buying it. And then I found it on ThreadUp like six months later. And even though it was something from last season, I was like, this is so me, I have to have it. So I love being able to go onto a site like that or into a boutique that has a similar aesthetic and be able to find unique things that nobody else has. Love that. I do think that shopping secondhand, shopping thrift, even the online sites, you have to have a really clear idea of your style or what you're looking for. It can be a really great way like, oh, that's only $13. I'll buy that. And the $13 piece you don't need is still a bad bargain. Correct. Right? So yeah, I, I, I think shopping secondhand first, I love that, love that concept. I think that's amazing. You just have to really have a plan. My capsule girls have a plan and they do so much better now when they go to heck, even Goodwill, right? Because they know what they're looking for. They know they're looking for a white linen pant this season, or they know they're looking for a black jacket from spring, whatever it is. When you have a plan, it's so much easier. Or when you know really who you are and what your style is, it's so much easier to shop those things and get things that are really going to work for you. I think it's the best place to find accessories. I mean, I could talk, go on and on and we'll chat more about that. But I think along the lines of being able to take advantage of gently used things that are things that you can have you fit your entire life, mm -hmm. it's a great opportunity to be able to go onto sites like that and find things that you are not just getting a good deal because I completely agree with you. I actually probably pay full price for more things that are secondhand than most people do. Uh, so it's not really about the stigma about the price. It's mm -hmm. about being able to get something that is going to be part of your legacy style. Love that. Mm -hmm. Love that idea. Okay. Last question. What item of clothing that you currently wear makes you feel the best about yourself and why? Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I would actually say I have two or three pairs of shoes. I know you do your shoes day Tuesday posts yourself. Um, I have two or three pairs of shoes that make me look and feel my best. I go from instantly feeling like I'm just sort of flat-footed and walking around and everything to feel poised and polished the second that my feet hit the floor when I put them on. So I've got like a great pair of Gucci loafers that I actually got on thread up still in the box. Oh, wow. I have a fantastic pair of shoes that my husband gifted me because he doesn't buy me jewelry since I'm a jewelry girl yeah. uh, from Soul Society. Uh, and I have a great pair of classic uh, Tory Burch flats that I love. And instantly, whenever I put those shoes on, I always feel like I can conquer anything wherever I go. So I think it's interesting. You didn't mention what the second pair, the style of the second pair, but two out of the three that you mentioned are flats. And I feel like I say this all the time, shoes define your style. Like you can have a banging outfit and you get to your feet and it's frumpy, you know, $1 flip-flops from Old Navy. It's done. You've killed your outfit. Why bother? Right. But you can have a basic outfit and amazing shoes and you have an amazing outfit. But I think a lot of women go, I can't wear heels. So I can't participate in having stylish shoes. That's not true. There are so many flats, loafers, sandals, whatever out there that are cute, that are stylish and aren't going to totally kill your feet. So well, I'll reveal that my second pair is a kitten heel. Oh, so there, there you go. For all those women who feel like they have to wear stilettos or three inch pumps in order to feel fabulous, that teeny tiny little kitten yes. heel will do just the right amount to lift your spirits. <laughs> I have always loved kitten heels and I'm so glad that they're back. I know there was, there was a little, there was a time where they were not the thing, but I've always loved them. I think just the shape of them is 
it's cute and sexy at the same time, which, and they don't kill your feet because they're not that high. Love them. Love, love, love. All right. You ready to dig in? Absolutely. Let's okay. do this. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about Vintage Meat Modern. What do you do? How did you get started? Well, this has been a 20 year long journey for me. I actually started working in accessories when I was 16 years old, starting selling men's ties. And I learned very quickly going along with distinctive and what would set people apart from the rest was that they would really put their mark on their personal style, both men and women alike, by adding accessories to things. It was you could take the same black suit, you could take the same black pair of pants and a white shirt, you could take the same little black dress, but then what you put it with would really set you apart from the rest. Now, I actually, my journey into this really becoming something that I was so passionate about was when I worked in personal shopping and when I worked accessories at Neiman Marcus back starting in 2000. And I was somebody that was very empathetic to women's needs when they came through the department store. I'm a pleaser. I won't deny that. I love to help people look and feel their best, but I'm also a very, like, just a very down to earth person. And so people would naturally gravitate towards me and I would work with women who were traveling for business. I would work with older women who were retired in their seventies and their eighties. I would work with pregnant women who were now pregnant with their third or fourth child. And for me, what I would see would be these women who would be struggling with what to wear. They didn't want to always go into a dressing room. I mean, Chicago can be very not a forgiving place to live in. It can be snowing and freezing cold. And, you know, you can come in from the outside and the last thing that you want to do is go into the dressing room to try on a bunch of things. Or it can be hot and humid and muggy and yucky and everything. And again, the last thing you want to do is come in. And so it was like, I had this aha moment where we would be satisfying the needs of our customers by changing their shoes, changing their jewelry, changing their handbags, changing their scarves. And so I really kind of grew into it that way. And then I just became so passionate about it. I had a few clients that were really, truly jewelry collectors. And, you know, who doesn't love jewelry? I mean, let's be honest, whether you're a minimalist and you like one big diamond, or you like to be like Elizabeth Taylor and like just have an entire vault full of everything and like have a jewelry legacy. You know, I found that always people really enjoyed jewelry. And so I had a couple really, really great clients that were true collectors and they were eccentrics too. I won't deny that. They had great stories and they were, they were wild and passionate and stylish and everything. And I learned from them that jewelry, it really connected people to just even more than their style. They were wearable memories. They were things that were of value. Uh, they used them as a sign of power when they were in the courtroom, you know, related to their jobs. And so I thought to myself, like, this is something that I really, really want to learn more about. And so I fell in love with jewelry. I started researching it. I left Neiman Marcus to start my own family and I just sort of took it with me and then boom, like you had mentioned that I've been doing this since 2009, eBay comes, Etsy comes, these online places come and I myself fell through a series of hardships in which I became a single mom and I was actually back then, we didn't listen to podcasts. I was reading a blog and I learned all about Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey was like, uh, sell it on eBay. And so I was like, you know what? I have entire, I have an entire class of full of designer clothes. I have overflowing jewelry boxes and I have clients that are looking to downsize their collections. Let's see what this eBay thing is all about. And that's exactly how my business was born. It was born on my dining room table. I started doing a little bit of everything, but then just like everything else, again, it all came back to the jewelry and the accessories. So I moved away from bringing in collections that had clothing and other things and stuff like that, because the jewelry, it always fits. So that's actually one of our own taglines here at Vintage Mean Modern is, is that the jewelry always fits. So regardless of your age, your shape, your weight, your lifestyle. So you started on your dining room table with eBay. I love that. I love starting small. A lot of people don't know that I started, well, I started Apple and Pear, which was the first version of my business. 
with a hundred dollars. I took a hundred dollars and I had some guy on Craigslist make a logo for me. It looked like it belonged on a fruit crate, not, it wasn't, you know, fashiony at all. And then I got, I claimed a website and I did my own website. And with a hundred dollars, I started my styling business. So, you know, I think for a lot of women who are like, could I start a business? Can I do it? I don't have venture capitalists. That's okay. Just start, just start. Love that. So what do you do now? What are the services that you provide now? So our services that we provide now is that we really basically specialize in curation and collaboration to help women look and feel their best in terms of style. So we curate a unique collection of vintage and designer jewelry every month. They're all one-of-a-kind pieces that cannot be sourced or cannot be found from anywhere else, but they have to pass my test that they have to be able to be worn with the modern woman's wardrobe. So vintage gets a bad rap that it's like grandma's addict or that like the women that only wear vintage dress in 1950s style clothes or 1950s reproductions. And my philosophy after learning about it is that there's a very collectible side to it. And just like you, many of us who are into fashion have read that article about how that, you know, a Birkin bag is worth more than gold, you know, it's a better investment. I will tell you that vintage designer and vintage costume jewelry is actually a very good investment. 99% of the time it retains its value. It is better quality and way better made than the things that you can actually find in the store today. Many times things are made with real genuine semi-precious stones. They're made with a higher gold count. They're not cheap flaked like uh, plating the same way that we think of like cheap veneer on furniture. Like we're talking stuff that was maybe dipped like 10, 15, 20, 30 times. So when I always walk into a place and that's not to say that, you know, vintage meet modern, our philosophy is it's got to be vintage. So fabulous. It will look good with your modern wardrobe and will help you invest in modern pieces. So fabulous that you're going to love them, that they're going to become your vintage. So we inspire women to show them how easy it is to wear their accessories with what's either hanging in their closet, or we help them style what they have and then add accessories to it to make it more unique. So it's one part curation and then one part styling. Very cool. So you just did an, uh, we were chatting last week and you did an, uh, an event at J Crew and you mm-hmm. posted a few pictures. I don't know if it was on your Facebook or your Instagram, but J Crew, it was new arrival pieces. They were, you know, the freshest, the newest, the nowest, and you had vintage jewelry with them. They looked so fabulous. So we fun. always sell whatever we put on the mannequins right off of them as soon as we go into J Crew. I bet you, I bet you do. And that's a perfect example of as our, as the online market space grows and there's so much that's offered to women. J crew is another one of these companies though, that they are part of being on the legacy style and the legacy brand mission. So they want to show people how easy it is to invest in their pieces that there are things that you're not going to just wear for one season. And oh, by the way, it's something that you could invest this season, but then let's do what Veronica's telling you to do. Pick a couple of great different kinds of accessories and we'll make it look current this season, next season, the season after that. So it's nice because we are having an opportunity to partner now with more larger brands that are really, truly getting that it's not really competition, it's collaboration. Absolutely. Well, just like you and I are doing today, we're both stylists, but there's no competition here. You really focus on the accessories. I focus on teaching women to stop buying too many things, buy things that you can do a lot with, and then add in fabulous accessories. I love, love, love that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, we alluded to it before, the power of accessories. Why are they so important in a wardrobe? Well, I always say that accessories are always the answer and it's as easy as ABC. Accessories are always the answer. Accessories are always be better together and accessories C, you should always collect and covet what you have at your disposal. So I always want people to use that ABC method because accessories, they always fit. So that's one great positive thing about them. 
And that's the beauty of it is, is that you can really maximize your budget and maximize your wardrobe by investing in a few key pieces. So, you know, people kind of grimace when they say, you know, oh, you got an expensive handbag or something like that. But you know what? You can wear a handbag every single day. And you can still change the look of it by tying a scarf to it. Maybe it has a strap and you can wear it as a crossbody. Maybe you can carry it as more of a handbag instead. So I try to remind people that the same thing also applies to jewelry as well. You know, a great pair of earrings can be worn with 20 or 30 different outfits and they will really make every single outfit you wear look different. I always like to remind people that things should play well together. Have fun with what you had last season by refreshing it, by putting it with new pieces of jewelry this season. I wear my fine jewelry with my faux jewelry. I wear my new jewelry with my old jewelry. And there's also that very special sentimental side to it. We didn't really touch on this a little bit, but a lot of this business was also born by the number of people who came to me who, when I was doing closet cleanouts, that I don't actually do closet cleanouts anymore, but they would have a box of jewelry that they inherited from somebody and they would just say, I can't part with it. Hmm. My, my grandmother gave this to me or my aunt gave this to me or, you know, this was the first thing that I bought for myself 20 years ago when I had my first job. I just can't get rid of it. And that's the thing is it is small, so it doesn't take up a lot of space. It's easy to put it all in one drawer and just kind of, quote, forget about it. But what happens when you stand there in your closet and you go, oh, I have all these clothes and I know I really shouldn't go clothes shopping again because I've made an investment in the right pieces. What am I going to do to make it look, you know, refreshed and new and everything? And that's why I'm always telling people that's where the answer comes in. You know, turn to what you already have in your jewelry box or let's add some fun things to it because then you'll always feel like it's new. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it. So one of the things I always tell people is that accessories take you from dressed to well-dressed. You know, when you put that pretty outfit on, it looks nice. It looks good. And then you add that perfect. I know you and I are both big fans of brooches. You add a good brooch. It takes you from dressed to well-dressed. It's that statement. It's that distinctive. But I think it just kind of puts that exclamation point on your outfit and said, and says, this was intentional. I really got dressed today. And I, it's such an easy thing to do. And yet I think a lot of women are passing by that opportunity because we just sort of forget. We forget to put that stamp on. Oh, I agree. I agree. And there are women who, there are women who are like me, who their purse weighs a hundred pounds because they just have jewelry in their purse constantly. So they're running late for a meeting or they're switching gears very quickly from going to, uh, meetings with clients, or maybe they had a lunch, maybe they had a speaking engagement. Now they're going to a PTA meeting. Maybe they're meeting their girlfriends for drinks or things like that. So there are women who are like me who like just head to their purse and they're like, well, I'll just change my lipstick, change my earrings, uh, you know, maybe tease up my hair a little. And now I've gone from a daytime look to an evening look. And then there are people who do open up a jewelry box or they open up the drawers and they say, it's so overwhelming. It's so little. There's so many different things what could I ever possibly pick? And that's when you even take the time to say, well, you know, we're not telling you, you have to have a million pieces. We're just telling you, take the time to have a few key pieces that really add that little bit of sparkle. You know, I was just saying that even earlier myself to this group, if you ever want to feel like you're going from just what you said, from, you know, just basic to beautiful, popping on just a piece of gold, a silver, something with a little bit of sparkle will make you just feel like you light up wherever you go. Love that. You know, one thing I was thinking when you were talking, I always encourage my women who work in corporate environments to wear bolder jewelry than they are. Not necessarily a lot of sparkle. You know, it shouldn't look like you're going out. But I think about the show, The Good Wife. Do you watch The Good Wife? Yes. The jewelry is so good. And Christine Baranski's character, well, first of all, she always has like these amazing sculptural brooches and they are Mm -hmm. so, they're appropriate for the office. You could see that in any office anywhere, but it puts such a distinctive personal stamp on the outfit and makes you stand out. I think, you know, in a sea of 
black and navy and gray and you know all these just boring basics that people wear to work. I wish women in the workforce would be a little bit bolder with jewelry, appropriate jewelry, but you know, put on that cool tiger pin or put on that really cool, you know, uh, sculptural earring. It's okay in the workplace. It's absolutely absolutely okay. I'd watch the sparkle, but put a stamp on it. Put put some personality into it. Well, and jewelry has a lot of great properties that are to it also. So if we're going to have like a sidebar conversation, like actually last week, I talked about the properties of jewelry that can really empower you as a woman as well. Speaking of things that are bold and beautiful, we had an incredible zebra set last week and it was black and white enamel. It was from the 1980s. It was very, very well done. Uh, For those of you who ever say like, oh, black and white enamel and zebra, please keep in mind that. David Webb, also the fine jeweler in New York, sells zebra bracelets for $47,000, $50,000. So don't tell me that a zebra motif or that this, you know, even animal or figural jewelry or something like that is like, oh, well, why would I wear that? There's, there's jewelers that, you know, sell these pieces for hundreds of thousands of dollars out there. Uh, but what I had reminded the people and the women in my group is that, for example, the zebra is uh it's a symbol it's a spirit animal for the entrepreneurial woman because it's a sign of inner balance between the black and the white of being decision making so i always remind people also that you know jewelry can have this very powerful design that goes along with it too. So if you want to look at yourself in the mirror before you head into the boardroom or before you're getting ready to do a presentation or something like that, pick that piece of jewelry as an anchor as to what you think that your message will be. And I remind people all the time, it's that great way to kind of like when you put that wristband, except a much prettier wristband, you know, (laughs) to snap against your wrist that, you know, you got this. And then of course, there's the even other properties that go along with jewelry that's so fabulous, like tiger's eye fights anxiety. So if you're somebody that likes like tortoise jewelry and tiger's eye jewelry, that's a great neutral. There's a reason why Banana Republic, there's a reason why J. Crew juice does tortoise. Jackie O loved tortoise. And my point is that there are things that you can actually be able to look at those things and then think to yourself, like, wow, you know, like I got this, I'm putting my stamp on my style with something that is so small, but just sets me apart from the rest. That is fantastic. Are there, in your opinion, we've kind of talked about, you don't need a lot of pieces. You need a few pieces. Are there must-haves in, I always oh, say yeah. there are no there there are no clothing must-haves. It's such a personal thing, right? Because on every clothing list, you're going to read that people need a white button-down shirt and a black suit. I don't own either, and I've been okay now for forty some years, right? Like that's never been a part of my wardrobe, and yet I have survived. So for me, must-have really speaks to your style, your lifestyle, your body. You know where you're going during the day. Um, for jewelry. Do you think there are must-haves? And if there are, what are they? I think that if you're a jewelry person, that's actually probably a very hard question to answer. If you're somebody who believes in the power of accessories and changing your look, it's hard to say like what's a must-have and what's a not because you probably just gravitate towards a lot of different things. But I think for women who are looking for quote must-haves, Uh, to be part of their style story, I think it's more related to what we generally think of as different styles of jewelry. A great statement earring. Now, whether you want a statement earring that is like big and bold and sequiny, or you want something that is maybe just long gold and dangly or something like that, I think for a woman who is looking for something to instantly transform their look, a great statement earring is important. I think a short necklace, a mid-length necklace, and a long necklace would be more of a jewelry box essential than necessarily a particular type of it. So, you know, you don't have to necessarily say just the short strand of pearls is your must-have. 
maybe a necklace that fills the neckline that's a gold chain. Maybe it's a gemstone necklace. Maybe it is a pearl necklace. I think a long necklace is an important part of a woman's jewelry box because that long necklace will actually give you that nice long line that if you're wearing a tunic or a long t-shirt or something, it breaks it up. Now, whether you want to wear something with a funky 1970s pendant or you want to wear something that's more dainty, that's more in line with Kendra Scott, that's up to you. Okay, so my jewelry box essentials are a stud earring, a statement earring, a short necklace, a mid-length necklace, a long necklace, a cuff bracelet, and a statement ring. Love it. Love it. And why is a statement ring so important? Well, I think as a woman, and I think that if you're going to treat yourself, you should be able to enjoy it. So we do look at our hands all day long. Why not be able to look down at a fun ring? Because you can't see your earrings and you can't see your necklace, but selfishly, you can remind yourself how fabulous you are by looking at your hands. I love that. One person I met years ago, she said that earrings and necklaces are for other people. Bracelets and rings are for yourself. And I thought, boy, I'm very selfish because I love, (laughs) I've never met a bracelet or a statement ring I didn't love. Yes. I tend to take them off during the day. So my, my office desk is cluttered with jewelry that I started with in the morning and then took off. I'm kind of like Hansel and Gretel. There's a, like a jewelry tree oh. all around to find me. <laughs> just, just follow the bracelets. All right. So my next question, let's talk about vintage because I think people, you alluded to this earlier, that people are a little bit intimidated or they don't know what it is, or they think that they have to look like a 1950s pinup girl um, to really enjoy the vintage movement. What is vintage? So vintage is anything that is 20 years or older and out of production. That is kind of the key thing that sets it apart. I got into this discussion with somebody a few weeks ago who was saying, well, if it's just 20 years or older, isn't that vintage? And really the key word is that it's out of production. So that means that what sets it apart from the rest is that you can't get it again easily. So the reason why I've always gravitated towards vintage jewelry in particular is because, like I said, one, it's really different. It sets you apart from the rest. If you are thinking that it's reminding you of a specific era or generation or things like that, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, well, you're just not being open-minded enough. Because there, just like there are certain styles or trends or certain things that we'll say like now, like my daughters were just saying to me the other day, oh my gosh, mom, neon is coming back the way that it was like at the ends of the 80s and the 90s. Okay, I'm not going to tell you that like a certain particular style maybe wasn't all the rage like in 1955 from 1957 in terms of like clip button earrings or things like that. But if you're thinking that like is everything is very pigeonholed, it's not. Uh, there's really basically a style and a design and things like that that can be fit throughout anything, through all kinds of different generations and different kinds of decades. What I love is when people come up to other people and, you know, we mentioned you have got clients and I've got clients and look, a great compliment will always boost your spirits every day. And whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, when somebody comes up to you and says, oh my gosh, I love that necklace. Where did you get that? And they're thinking you're going to say J. Crew, Ann Taylor, Nordstrom, I got it at Tiffany and Company, whatever. And you say to them, well, it's vintage. Like immediately people are like in awe and enamored with you. They're like, wow, like I didn't even know stuff like that existed back then. Or wow, how on earth did you find that? And, you know, All of a sudden, you yourself are then writing your own style story, your own script. You're coming alive with being able to tell people like, no, maybe this is the only piece of vintage I have, but I sure do know that, you know, when I go places, whether it's big and bold and flashy or whether it's something that's more sophisticated and just more chic and more minimalist, because believe me, there's a lot of minimalist vintage pieces too, that that is something that really nobody else has. And so that's why I like to remind people that don't be afraid or intimidated by that word. It's not mothballs. It's not grandma's closet, though I will say I've been into plenty of them and I've seen a lot of stylish grandmas and I've seen a lot of stylish closets. So that's something that I love to remind people. And then 
there is that certain special factor that goes along with it that we mentioned that goes along with sustainability. There's two really big things I love to remind people about vintage pieces. The quality really can't be matched. The standards that we have for things that were made from the 1900s through even like the 1980s are very different than the mass produced pieces that we receive today. That's not saying that there's not great designs. It's not saying that there's not great designers. I mean, I'm a huge fan of even collecting artisan jewelry. So I certainly do have an appreciation for craftsmanship. But when you are looking towards things of qualities, I always remind people like if this piece looks this good and it's 75 years, like that says a lot about the quality and the workmanship that went into these pieces besides being part of like an actual fashion movement back then. And then there's that special factor that does go along with the environment. If we're talking about being more responsible with our style and how that that actually makes us feel in general, I know you and I could go off on a tangent mm -hmm. about this all the time. Do not invest in the $10 item just because there's a $10 item. I mean, unless that $10 item is going to serve you and is filling your need at the time, yeah. like that's, that's different. Then it's like, woo, bonus, you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, bonus, but you know, invest in items that you can take care of as well as that. There's no reason, like I said, the jewelry always fits. There's no reason for these pieces to wind up in a landfill. Hmm. It's not even like clothing. It's not even like shoes. Like, and when, and in which that case, I'll even tell you, like invest in something that a great tailor can repair or invest in something that, you know, if it wears out, you can spend a minimal investment fixing it to get a longer life out of it because that's the responsible thing to do with it. Uh, but you know, that's something along with the jewelry and along with the accessories too. If you take care of it, there's no reason for these things. And that's where I do come in and how we curate our collection. If you're tired of it, there are lots of people out there who will take in your collection and help sell it to other people. So, you know, don't think that just because your accessories are something that you no longer love or your jewelry is something that you no longer love, that there isn't a lot of life out there there for that particular piece to live on. What do you say when people are, are hanging on to things just in case, or they're hanging on to things that they are tired of, but they just can't part with? Is there a point where people, you know, I, I encourage people, I encourage people to get rid of things all the time, because I believe if it's not serving you, why is it here? You know, if it's not serving you, then you're serving it. You're, you're maintaining yeah. clothes, you're moving them around, you're, you know, it's, it's work. So is it different for jewelry? Do you think there's a time where if you're just over it, if you should part with it or should you hang on to it? Because it doesn't take up a ton of room. Who knows? You might change your mind. I think there's a fine line between, but I think that the jewelry, what I've learned with a lot of people is that, as I mentioned, people are very sentimental to jewelry for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of good reasons to that. I mean, you know, we could have a completely different discussion about the historical aspects of jewelry as a tradition dating all the way back to Egyptian times. You know, I mean, nobody is going to kick out, you know, Cleopatra's collar. You know, there's a reason why these types of things live on in, in museums. So I tell people a couple of different things. That doesn't mean that your jewelry isn't dated. And it doesn't mean, especially when you invest in, I would say, designer jewelry or jewelry that's even like on trend now. There's certainly a time and a place to donate it and to have it move on. You and I share a very similar philosophy in investing in pieces that make you feel good and that they look good and that they're of a higher quality. If you invest in higher quality pieces, remember there are outlets that when you tire of something to pass those things on. There's perfect examples of that also in which I'll say, do not hold on to things that you're holding on to just because you think they're of value. If you have a diamond that you inherited from so-and-so, or let's even say something more dramatic, something that's related to a not so good feeling like a divorce or maybe a gift from somebody who you are no longer friends with or something. So you're holding on to it because you know that it's a pair of $1,500 gold earrings. 
be creative, take them to the jeweler, trade them in, do something different with them, have the stones removed from them and get something else recreated, pass it on to somebody who you know it will bring joy to. And the same goes along with your costume or your vintage jewelry or your higher end designer collection. Take them to a place that's got a great consignment program. Don't feel bad about having it move on. I'm just saying when it comes to things, ethically dispose of things. Don't just toss it in the trash because you're tired of it because chances are it's still in good enough condition and it will still fit somebody else. So just dispose of it responsibly. I would never want you to have drawers and drawers and drawers of jewelry that overwhelm you. I will say from a stylist perspective, if you are feeling like you're in a rut before you go out and decide to chop off all of your hair or dye it a different color or invest in a $5,000 wardrobe shopping spree, why not head to your jewelry box and try to remake some of the outfits that you have, uh, you know, or add a couple different pieces to change your look? I mean, I'm even saying clothing wise, instead of feeling overwhelmed, like, oh my gosh, I need a brand new wardrobe. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, in my capsule guides, we only include a few pieces of jewelry because I don't want people going out and buying just a ton of stuff. I try and keep it as minimalist as possible. But I do encourage people, use what you already have. You know, cut down. You really don't need, I think this capsule has maybe eight bottoms. Don't buy eight bottoms, buy five bottoms. You know, maybe it has 10 tops. Don't buy 10 tops, buy seven tops, but go to your jewelry that you already have and see what you can do with it. See how many outfits you can create by what you already own. And it does, it gives new life and it totally changes the look of things. It's a great way. It's a great way to give your wardrobe a refresh and update without going out and spending more money than you need to, or sometimes any money at all. I mean, it's a, and I really would like to encourage women to play with their jewelry, right? Not to look at it like, I only wear these stud earrings with this top, or I only wear this, this necklace with this dress, mix it up a little. I had, I have a long string of like opera, not actually opera length pearls, but like really long. And I tripled it. And then I stuck a big gold flower brooch on it. And everywhere I went, people are like, oh, is that a new necklace? Oh, I love that necklace. And it was just the brooch that I wear all the time and the necklace that people have seen literally a hundred times because I wear it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that you feel the same way too. People just get in ruts where they feel like, you know, like I have to wear this bottom with this top or, you know, I, I only wear these shoes when I wear this. And that's what I'm always telling people also is like, you know, get creative. You know, when people say to me, you know, especially with the vintage pieces, like, you know, like, well, can I wear that with my diamond solitaire? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you put on that earring and then, you know, you wear that necklace from your husband every day as a reminder of your children or your anniversary or whatever, or something like that. Or I, you know, my engagement ring is so much smaller. Can I really wear a huge statement ring on the other hand? Absolutely. There are no rules there. You know, what is, what's holding you back from feeling like you can't change yourself. And the best part about it is, is that, you know, you don't have to wear it all at one time, you know, just mix and match, play with it. You'd be surprised how many interesting combinations that you can come up with things. Yeah, especially, you know, with bracelet stacking being such a big thing right now, kind of combining the vintage and the modern and, you know, even just that one little piece that is vintage and special to you with some on-trend things you just picked up at Loft. I think it'll give the whole thing a little bit higher end look and a personal look rather than this is what everybody is wearing. That is an excellent point that you make. You can pick up inexpensive accessories and make them look more expensive and more high end by mixing them with pieces that you already have. Absolutely. So let's say someone is not a jewelry collector. I really encourage my women to focus on building wardrobes of value. And to me, Value doesn't have anything to do with price. Value is the relationship between you and the item. How important it is to you. How often do you wear it? How does it make you feel when you wear it? So if you are somebody who is focused on building a wardrobe of value and you haven't really started building a jewelry collection of value, where would you recommend people start? 
Well, I would recommend starting with somebody like me who can at least introduce you to what different styles of jewelry and different kinds of pieces are out there. I think that if we're talking about adding something of value, I think that it's really important to think about what are the pieces that you do want to invest in because you do know that they will fit you forever. So I feel the same way. Personally, I know myself, I'm never going to be able to afford, I shouldn't say that. Let's not put myself in that. No, let's let's say, well, let's get mindset. You know, like, but like a really, really good, heavy, classic gold chain is something that will always fill a neckline. So whether you're wearing a blouse and a collar, and then you're putting on a navy blazer with it, or you're wearing a black sheath dress. What I would say is like invest in the best quality that you can, because that is a piece that you don't want to skimp on. You don't want the plating to ever go bad. You're probably not going to spend $100,000 on one gold necklace, but when you're talking about investing in value, get the highest quality one that you can that doesn't look like it's cheap. Uh, that's it's in, and not something that's just necessarily even on trend. Also, find a nice high quality piece that can be any place from like a hundred to like four hundred dollars because you could really wear that piece for twenty years. That's where we're talking about investing in these modern pieces that will become your vintage pieces. So, you know, for example, let's talk about like the David Yurman cable ba- bracelets and things like that. Those can be quite an investment. Those, uh, but you know, and I have ones that have got some of the classic pearl tips that are on the side of it. Mm -hmm. And then I have ones that have got some classic like little diamond paves on it. And then I have ones that have X's on them. Speaking of being on trend, like I said, those bracelets cost any place between $700 and $2,200, but I've had them for 20 years. But I also wear them with like elastic crystal bracelets. And I also wear them with my vintage Cartier watch for my grandmother, which is like 45 years old. It's like from the fifties. So, you know, we're talking about wearing a vintage watch with David Yerman bracelets. We're talking about wearing David Yerman bracelets with, you know, trendy little crystal bracelets that my children gave me for Mother's Day that they picked out several years ago. So when you're thinking about investing in modern pieces, that's what I would say to people is that, you know, make sure that you invest in pieces of quality because then you can mix them with your vintage and your modern. And if you take care of them, again, you'll have them forever. Are there pieces right now that, that if you are shopping vintage and you want it to look very modern and on trend, what would you be looking for? Well, for me, I'm a huge fan of Givenchy Couture for the 1980s. Okay. Those are really great standard pieces. Also vintage Christian Dior from the 1980s. Also, you can get a nice, heavy gold plated mid weight chain. You can get a very classic gold. uh, I'm thinking right now, even off the top of my head, like it's like a gold chain link half hoop earring. Mm -hmm. It's large enough that a minimalist would call it a statement earring. It's like someone who gravitates Mm -hmm. towards a more minimal, but it's also classic enough that someone who likes a bolder piece of jewelry knows that you can't walk into any department store and you can't find a classic gold chain link earring like that from anyone. I'm also a huge, just like you and I were talking about, I think every woman should have a very high quality, sparkly rhinestone brooch in their collection. I think one good brooch really does like infinite style duty with a lot of different things. And I always remind my clients that there are so many different things that you can do, do with it. In the winter, it sets your black coat apart from the rest. Trust me. Hand your coat to somebody at a party when you're getting ready at holiday time to go someplace and you're the only woman that walks in with a vintage brooch and the hostess is the first one to say to you, oh my gosh, I love your brooch, you know, and it's not like anything that anybody else can. Trust me, go ahead, go out there, try. Go to five stores today and ask them if they have brooches. None of them are going to tell you. Even when we go to J. Crew, that's part of the reason why they love when they come. They don't even carry brooches. They carry great vintage rhinestone earrings that even have a vintage feel to them and they're pierced. So many people prefer them over the clip statement earrings that we carry, 
but you still can't find a brooch that necessarily goes with them. So I always say, invest in a great brooch. You can use it to close your pashmina. You can tuck it into your hair. You can put it on you know, a clutch that you have. Mm -hmm. There's just a bazillion different things that you can do with it. And then of course you can wear it all the traditional ways, like on the side of your dress, the V-neck of your blouse, close your sweater. You can, I cover the top button of my cardigans all the time with the brooch going across it instead of wearing a necklace, because, you know, once you have a cardigan buttoned up, you really can't. So I'm just saying, so like, that's another piece I would tell people to gravitate towards would be just vintage brooches in general. Uh, but in terms of like collectible designers, I like Boulder styles. So I'm a huge fan of Signer New York. I am a huge fan of Kenneth J. Lane. Kenneth J. Lane was the king of costume jewelry. Uh, he, you know, his legacy with his company still lives on, but his vintage pieces are an excellent quality. But he was an American designer. And many of you don't realize that you know women who wore him. Barbara Bush's fav famous triple strand pearls that she wore on her autobiography, Kenneth J. Lane. Uh, Jacqueline Kennedy's Maharaja necklace with the huge jewels of India, Kenneth J. Lane, uh, you know, Diana Veerland, the cuffs that are like the ones that Coco Chanel had, those retail for $45,000, $50,000, the faux version of them, Kenneth J. Lane. So hmm. I'm saying for people like you don't, that's why I'm saying broaden your horizons. You don't realize that these pieces are out there and they're actually very easy to bring into your collection. And for what we would consider you and I to be a pretty minimal investment for the amount of times that you could break down the number of times that you would wear them. We'd literally be down to the pennies, even if you yes. wore it once a month. Cost per wear, cost per wear, not cost per item. Well, I think that that is a, a great place to leave our conversation. I know we're going to do this again. Um, where can my people find your people or you on the internet? Well, I would love for you to find me at vintagemeatmodern.com to see our collection. And I'd love for you to join us in our private Facebook group, which is the Vintage Meat Modern Styling Society also, because we give our VIPs early access to our latest collections. And a lot of people even say to me, you know, I never even saw that on the website. And that's one fun thing that's also about being a vintage jewelry lover is it is a bit of a treasure hunt. And it's like we have our own little vault. We sell out frequently before things ever even get online. So be sure to follow along with us either in the group or on the website so that you can get on the VIP list. Perfect. I will post both of those in the show notes so people don't have to stop driving and write them down. Okay. Last question. What is one thing you would like our listeners to take away from our conversation? When you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you do good. So be sure to leave a little sparkle everywhere you go. Amen, sister. You are speaking my language. When you, when you look good, you feel good. That's what it's all about, right? It's about stepping out a little bit bigger every single day because you know you look fabulous. You're confident. You're just feel good. You feel good inside. You hold your head higher. You're nicer to people. You are nicer to people when you like the way you look. I firmly believe that. Oh, I All love right. that. Yeah. Well, it's true, right? Have you ever gone out and you just kind of feel bad about yourself and you don't want to talk to people, you don't engage in, in conversations at the store, but when you feel good, you're like, Hey, Hey girl, you know, you, you talk to people more and I love that. So, all right. Thank you, Veronica, so much for being on our show today. And I look forward to connecting to you on, in your group as well. I want to thank Veronica again for being on the show today and teaching us what vintage means and how we can curate a wardrobe that is special and meaningful and personal. In the show notes, I've got links to connect with Vintage Meat Modern all over social media. All right, that's all for today, friends. Your homework this week is to focus on sleeves. Go through your closet and look at the tops you like best. Do you see any commonalities in the sleeve? Look for the pieces that always seem off. Maybe it's a sleeve issue. Then when you're out and about this week, I want you to look for sleeves on women and how they're helping or hurting their shape. Please don't walk up to strangers or even people you know and say, you know that sleeve isn't as flattering as it could be. Nobody appreciates that. However, noticing these things around you helps you hone in on your own style. That's it. And I will see you next week.